0: We are live uh, on a Tuesday afternoon, Um, how how are you guys doing? Are you okay? Are you alright? Have you had a good bank holiday weekend? Um, Welcome to episode 80 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments, if it's your first time jumping on, this is a fuck this week edition, uh, which means it's solo, Uh, there's no guest, Um, and basically I try to make sense of the senseless. In these episodes. Uh, quick shout out to the Patreons for their continued support, Kerry and Paul. You guys are bloody terrific. You are uh, just flawless, lovely people with bursting hearts. Uh, though we hope not in the literal sense because cardiac episodes can actually be very serious. Uh, so what can we talk about today? I I had a great time at Byline Festival on Saturday um, it's the, uh, uh, that's the uh, summer weekend put on by Byline Times, which is independent journalism at its finest. Uh, there was Samba bands, there was street food, beer, and, uh, and, and yeah, then discussions about NHS privatization, structural racism, tactical voting. It's, it's kind of weird that that's a good time for me now, you know, like what was a, what was a good old time for you when you were like 26? Because for me, like festivals and and weekends in general uh used to be all about like live music and excess and getting reco and like staying up for two days and trying to stretch out the elastic hours of the weekend as much as possible like you know, like, oh, I, I will stay up. I will take up every last hour of freedom and make it count before I return to my shitty recruitment job and hate every second of it on Monday. I have, I've earned this. You know, that, that, was, that was a good old time back in the day. Drugs, booze, getting laid, live music. Um, Now a good time is sitting with people and having in-depth discussions about politics. You know, is that a sign... Is that a sign of maturity, or how boring the rest of my life has become? (laughs) That's like I'm, I'm like some guy fresh out of prison, fucking an obese Burger King manager. Like this, this is amazing. Like that's me actually out of the house doing something that isn't changing nappies or buying more nappies in co-op. Like basically, like I'm out. Ergo, this is fun. That's that's the watermark for fun. I even said to, um, uh, to Super Tansky, which uh, uh, if you're not following Super Tansky, then obviously, I mean, what the fuck are you doing? Um, but I said to her uh, on Saturday, like, she was worrying about the comp tickets because she was performing. Uh, and, and so I got the comp pass to go in. Uh, and she was worrying about like what time she could get there and when the comp ticket was going to come through. And uh, like, I was like, honestly, even if, Even if you cancelled last minute and I just spent the day drinking alone in a pub, it would still be the highlight of my fucking week. So just chill. Like what? What an indictment of my mental health. (laughs) Like, I, I promise I am actually relatively, mostly, modestly net happy. I think. But, but it is funny. Like back in the day, a good time was drugs live music getting wrecked beer bongs arguing over whether in utero is better than verses. you know like like laughing our asses off from 6 p.m till last orders or some shit and now like a good time is sitting opposite some guy from a lobby firm and going like so everything's monumentally fucked i mean like britain is is britain really fucked and him going like yeah yeah it is uh do, do you want another beer uh yeah cool okay meet you by the leonard cohen stage in a minute you know like that's that's a fun time now that's but it genuinely is like it's maybe it's a misery likes company thing you know gallows humor like we like maybe we like knowing that other people feel the same so it's like strength in numbers so no matter how bad the thing is that you're talking about it's actually you know psychologically it then manifests as a good time or something i don't know anyway look i i met up with a few friends faces you've probably seen me converse and exchange with online uh people like davey moo dr maria norris uh super tansky i mentioned uh, femi and it was just it was just a really nice day you know I, I mean i was nodding off by the like end of it uh which i felt really bad about um i think i had like four or five pints there which is honestly totally fine. Like, I've built up a fair tolerance over my 41 years. Uh, But four or five pints on a bad night's sleep from a toddler, and I am done. I'm just like... I don't know what you guys are like. If you have kids, what you're like after a shit night's sleep, if you then pour alcohol all over that experience. But, like, I'm like your dad after Christmas dinner at that stage. I'm, I'm in heroin junkie mode, you know? Kurt Cobain at his daughter's birthday party style. Like, I don't know if that's a niche reference or not, but, like, if you've seen... What was that documentary film about Kurt Cobain and uh, Nirvana a couple of years ago where there was footage of him at his daughter's, like... I think it was her second birthday party or first birthday party, and everyone's, like, singing happy birthday. It's kind of tragic. Everyone's singing happy happy birthday to her, and he's just, like, coming down off smack, just nodding off, you know? (laughs) Like, that's that's my vibe i think towards the end of byline uh people having conversations around me and i can barely keep my fucking eyes open i mean like christ remember remember when operating on fuck all sleep used to be fun in itself you know like oh I barely slept last night yeah like that was a big thing now just a bad night's sleep and four ipa and i'm like fucking i'm like your ex-boyfriend post coitus like <laughs> Oh, you know like I've had my fun. now now I need to sleep. But yeah, so that was that was fun. Byline was fun on Saturday. Um, and since then you know I've had a chance to catch up on what's going on out there. Uh, I think Oliver Dowden is probably my favorite news story of the last few days. Uh, if you' don't, if you're not familiar with this, uh, Dowden went in hard on labor for the reports of this electoral pact. Uh, And if you're unaware of that, essentially what it looks like is like informally Labour are beginning to stand down candidates in areas where the Lib Dems are more likely to win. And then that arrangement is reciprocated in areas that Labour are more likely to win. And so the output of that is fewer Tories, right? So it's a win for progressives and it's a lose for people like Dowden. Uh, and this idea is not new, it's, it's been referred to as a bunch of things in the last few years. a Rainbow Alliance, a lib Lab Coalition, uh, but Progressive Alliance is probably the main one that you, that you might have heard. Uh, the idea that if Lib Dems, Labour and Greens all work together as left-leaning institutions that would stop splitting the left vote, then the Tories would no longer have a majority and would probably be removed from from power. Which is actually weirdly like one of the key things that came out of various conversations uh, that I had on Saturday at Byline. Um, But put simply, like basically, it comes down to this: more people vote for left-leaning parties than vote Tory. Kind, kind of mind-blowing for a lot of people. Even though you know, because we're we're conditioned to believe that everyone's an immigrant, burning, mail-reading piece of shit, aren't we? Like the reality at the ballot box is actually that the country isn't as shit awful as we sometimes think that it is um and anyway oliver dowden heard about this and started writing a letter which is you know obviously what you do when you're very cross about something oh i'm so cross i shall write you a letter sir and in the letter he referred to this lib lab pact and he called it get this denying voters a proper democratic choice which look (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna come on to in a minute just hold fire for a second be patient uh let's talk about dowden himself Uh, first dowden is a uk parliament uh, parliamentarian he's the conservative mp for Hartsmere and chairman of the conservative party so he's a bit of a big fish big cheese a senior tory undeniably and i get this right so he knows what regular people want because he worked in a factory for 10 years and he campaigned for various causes relating to inequality and feeding the homeless and (laughs) fucking did he fuck of course he didn't his background is exactly as you would expect uh he joined the tory party research department almost straight out of university which was contain your heart attacks oxbridge he worked in pr for a bit so very david cameron in fact his bio says he cut his teeth working for dave in day-to-day crisis management and oh fucking here we go he has expertise in the attacking form of political communications leading to comparisons with Labour's Alastair Campbell so says Wikipedia I'm just gonna have to let's just reel back a little bit expertise in the attacking form of politics comparisons with Alastair Campbell I don't know if I'd go that far Alistair Campbell, really? Did Oliver Dowden write this? Because this, this reads like Oliver Dowden. Like it's like when your mate comes out with some nonsense. You know, like you sat around the pub table and your mates like, well, you know the, the lads at work say I look a bit like Zac Efron in this. You are like, in, in what? What are you in? A fucking fantasy land. You look like a cunt, Darren. You know? Because like I don't want to, I don't want to be biased here. Uh, but Campbell joined Blair Brown like a third pillar. I feel like Alistair Campbell in New Labour undeniably helped shape its character. You think New Labour almost on a par with Gordon Brown. You think of Alistair Campbell, those three, but maybe like, Maybe Peter Mandelson creepily peering over one of their shoulders with a Machiavellian grin, taking a check from a shadowy figure in the background. I don't know. But like mostly it's those three, right? It's like Blair, Brown, Campbell. Or at least that's how I think of them. But you think of Boris Johnson or the Johnson administration, whatever the fuck that is. Do you really think of Oliver Dowden? You know, like he's a he's a senior Tory. Absolutely but i still see him as very much a periphery figure you know supporting cast the fact he's a chairman of the conservative party right that i think that tells you more about the tanking quality of tory politicians than it does celebrate his own personal achievement you know <laughs> like he's the chairman right okay it's like when you know I, I hate to always bring this back to metaphors of like mates around the pub table but that's you know you've got to speak from about what you know come from right from where you know uh but it is like it's like if you have one shit mate that tells you that they're going to be best man for someone (laughs) you know does it make you go oh cool well i guess i had it all wrong you must be a great bloke does it make you do that or does it make you go (laughs) oh the groom groom must be really desperate like like how bad are his other friends that his best man is you Like, wow. (laughs) And, like, where where Campbell characterised aspects of New Labour, does Dowden characterise anything? Really? Like, what does Oliver Dowden bring to the table? What messages does he get across? What killer attack lines has he landed? I struggle to think of any. This fucking Aryan-looking motherfucker specialises in... An attacking form of political communications like really (laughs) really (laughs) he worked in pr before for who the fucking care bears this is this is a guy whose political attacks start and end at how can we make this a culture war thing that's it that's all he knows that's all he can offer people walk up to him like we're in a tight spot ollie he's like just make it about brexit or national trust plaques, or poppies. That's it. He's a walking telegraph column. Get caught in a corner, flip back to woke. Oh, it's all woke. Everything's woke. It's just a trip switch in the brain or some shit. Everything goes back to woke. Like I imagine him, like walking down the street, and a parking attendant comes up to him. Is this uh, Is this your car? Yeah, it's been parked here seventeen minutes over, so I've left a little ticket. Oh, it's woke. The double yellow lines are woke. It's destroying. Don't ca- don't cancel my car. Like that's his vibe. I'm not even fucking around. Like, like, basically, that's their entire political strategy now. And it comes from the top. It comes from people like him, the chairman of the Conservative Party. Like, at least when Cummings was calling the shots, you got the sense that there was some deviousness, some overarching, if underhand, plan to it all. Now it's just chaos followed by criticism, followed by woke, though, woke. Like Mr. Mr. Dowden, Mr. Johnson, um, these people can't afford to heat their homes. And Dowden's like, heating? Why do they want heating? I thought it'd make snowflakes melt. <laughs> you know, and then Johnson looks oh, good one, Dowden. Jolly good one. Oh, thank you, Prime Minister. More more wine, wine and cheese, It's like Dowden's biggest achievement so far. Dowden's biggest achievement. What can we what can we actually Credit him with. To my to my memory, the only reason I can remember his profile being raised, or indeed him raising anything, was when he flew to the United States, but not to discuss geopolitics or to thrash out a trade deal or to do anything of any like, you know, meaningful change or anything. Like he he flew to the US to give a talk on cancel culture to a right-wing fucking think tank. That's the only thing I can think of that raised his profile up into sort of, you know, national press level. And he came out with some nonsense like... What was it? Like, woke ideology was a dangerous form of decadence. I'm almost certain that was it. Uh, Woke ideology is a dangerous form of decadence. At a time when our attention should be focused on external foes. That was... It's like, you know, blaming wokeism, blaming lefties being distracted when we should be thinking about external foes like this is the caliber of politician that we're dealing with someone who flies to the us when he could be holding or chairing meetings to discuss the volatility of geopolitics could be flying out there to discuss actual real shit but who instead uses the opportunity to rail about fucking nonsense it's like hilarious projection why are you focusing on x when you should be worried about y like in his mind We're all obsessing over pronouns and plow person sandwiches when we should be looking at the cost of living or housing crisis or Russia. And yet the only people I ever see obsessing over pronouns and statues and nonsense are Tory MPs and fucking GB News. It really is. It's as simple as like cast your mind, but think of the the most ridiculous GB News segment or talk TV segment or, you know, right-wing guy on lbc like it's it you know when they go like i'll tell you what i'm tired of hearing about pronouns and then everyone else is like yeah me too have you tried shutting the fuck up about them it's like that is it just shut the fuck up about it and it'll go away barons of bellendry every fucking one of them it's like james cleverly the other day cleverly was tweeting uh and i'm sure this is almost word for word James Cleverly goes, while Labour confect outrage, Tories get on with the job. Like, oh, fucking really? <laughs> Tories are getting on with the job while these silly lefties mess about. And it's so funny when they say this shit because it's always like an hour before one of their colleagues comes out with another bout of culture war nonversation. It's like, while Labour mess about, Tories get on with the job. Oh, no, 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 Oliver, don't post that. Don't post. Oh, please. Oh, bugger. And then Dowden's gone ahead and pulled some more Brexity Portsmouth Harbour sewage out his asshole and tweeted it. And he's tweeted. Let, let me see if I can find it quickly. The Dowden tweet. Oh, fuck it. Here we go. Right. This was his letter to Keir Starmer. He wrote out a letter, headed paper <laughs> letter, and then tweeted it to Keir Starmer. This is Saturday night. This is how he spends his weekend. It says uh, it has been brought to my attention that Labour has stood down candidates in swathes of the country ahead of the local elections it now appears that your plan to deny voters a proper democratic choice are coming to fruition And then he caps it off in the tweet saying like keir starmer must answer (laughs) must he really keir starmer must report to the headmaster's office immediately so look he's he's frightened there's an electoral pact And we we need to leave aside for a second the ridiculousness of the Tories who have just uh, signed through the voter ID legislation. They're going to make it harder for people who are traditionally disenfranchised from voting. They've they've signed through that. They rebranded themselves as Fact Check UK. They uh, like all all manner of ways that they're trying to disrupt and distort democracy. Just leave aside the obvious hypocrisy for one second. What he's frightened about. He's frightened about the electoral pact and it's going to hurt the Tories and he's right to be scared about it. But instead of getting on with the job, right? <laughs> Along the lines of like James Cleverly, well, while while Labour mess about, Tories get on with the job. Instead of getting on with the job or trying to win over the votes by addressing any of the myriad crises his party have presided over, he's like, electoral pacts are bad and don't offer real choice, which is fucking ridiculous. He really, like, this is Oliver Dowd, right? He's like, uh, What, what attacking form of politics Uh, uh, worthy of Alistair Campbell? Can I negotiate from my colonic passage today? I, I, I'll blame cancel culture for everything. That's today's hit that express readers definitely haven't grown tired of. We've been peddling it for ages while people's living standards have tanked to the lowest level for 70 years, but fuck it. Let's wheel it out again one more time for the people at the back, because you know what I say, Cyril, if it ain't broke, He's like, aid. Cyril walks through. If it ain't broke, um, take a donation from it. Uh, well, yes, yes. I do, yeah. All, But also, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now, one more time from the top, loud as you can. Cancel culture, Brexit, Brexit. It now appears that your plan to deny voters a proper democratic choice are coming to fruition. Woke, woke, snowflake, culture war and poppies. But like, where do you even fucking start? <laughs> where, Let's all right. Let's start on deny voters a proper democratic choice. I mean, clearly the message there from this expert in the attacking form of politics worthy of Alistair Campbell is that electoral pacts are wrong. They deny voters a choice. So first back up a bit, and this has been said a lot on Twitter already, I know, but pan out and look at the 2019 general election. So the Tories had the Brexit party be worried about splitting the pro brexit vote you had do you remember like farage and richard tice you had campaign events brexit party candidates uh slick like the light blue and the dark blue uh branding pamphlets going out everywhere like i think those candidates were absolutely going to split the tory vote the right vote the pro brexit vote and that could have been disastrous would have been disastrous for the conservatives would it have cost them the election No idea, but I sincerely doubt you'd be talking 80 seat majorities and a blank canvas to push through the bills that we've all seen them push through in the last year. So let's just call it black and white. The Brexit Party were absolutely a threat to the Tories until they agreed to stand down, specifically in Tory areas. And then you have to remember that they stayed standing in Labour leave constituencies, so specifically to split the Labour vote. So that was like a, a utopian scenario for the Tories. And and so then they had 317 prospective Tory voting seats that they withdrew from, giving the Tories an inarguably much easier route to power and a much more certain route to that stonking majority that they went on to, to get. And although I think I should probably say, just to be fair or to, to, to be in the same neighbourhood as uh, objectivity, uh, that Farage and Johnson both denied that there was a pact. But come the fuck on. I mean, Johnson lies like it's a fucking language he's fluent in. And and Farage just wanted to secure the hardest Brexit possible, right? So, so the fact that they both say that there was no pact doesn't mean there was no pact. In fact, if Johnson says there was no pact, it almost certainly means there was a fucking pact. So when you look at that general election... The majority they got, the Brexit Party candidates standing down so Tories could get those votes and win those seats. It makes Dowden's grandstanding about electoral pacts denying voters a proper democratic choice utterly fucking ridiculous. And you have to wonder, I always come back to wondering this, like, is is he really this fucking stupid? Are they all this fucking stupid? Because they don't like to talk to, to listen to, they don't sound that stupid for the most part but like you ask yourself the like how could you honestly think that and not remember that from 2019 I don't mean like you guys listening you know a lot of people don't obsess over politics 2019 was a while ago you know like I, I I like to remind people of certain things so it is fresh in their mental periphery but like somebody like Oliver Dowden who stood that election and the one before it like how how could he not have that information jump out of his brain and go like oh Wait, no, look, careful, Ollie. Careful. Don't go throwing stones about electoral pacts because the Tories benefited quite a lot from Farage standing back last time round, right? You remember that? So just hold fire, stay cool, you know? And even then, if it if it didn't pop in his head, like as a PR guy, as an expert in attacking, I don't know, you would think maybe he would have somebody beneath like communications aides or parliamentary support aides or, you know, a PA or like someone that types up his shitty letters for him that might go, hang on, I don't know if this is such a good idea, you know, I've worked in Westminster a few years, Ollie, I don't know if this is a great move, you know, like how many layers of aides, supports, PAs and sign-offs did it go through before Dowden finally went, yeah, that looks perfect, post it, (laughs) like... It's like, You know, it's one of those situations where it's not just the thing that's stupid. It's the thing that got signed off by sequential layers of approval and actually, you know, gets put out. So as ever, we, we're always left wondering, it, like, is he, are they really this fucking stupid? Or are they just hoping that we are? That's what I always come back to. Is it stupidity or cold-hearted cynicism? And that's just... That's just the Tories, broadly speaking, right? The Conservative Party broadly benefited from Brexit parties stepping down. That's just self-evident. But the thing that gets me and that I think probably gets a lot of people, well, I haven't seen this shared around that much on Twitter, but, but Dowden himself benefited. That's what's so ridiculous about this. Dowden himself benefited in his seat. From the Brexit Party stepping down, I was tweeting about this yesterday. Right, there's still articles up covering the moment that the Brexit Party pulled out of his fucking constituency, his seat. The name of the of the guy, the candidate for the Brexit Party, who was standing for them in that seat. There's still articles like covering, uh, like on, on Brexit Party sites where they recommend, like urge there would be voters to vote for Oliver Dowden. So how in the name of fuckery, when you are the beneficiary of an electoral pact or or some sort of informal agreement, at least, when you personally benefited from somebody going, actually, we'll step back. We'll let you have this one. How can you then write a letter on headed paper and tweet like, oh, I don't like this. This this won't do at all. You know, like it's fucking it. Is it insanity, lunacy, stupidity or cold hearted cynicism? I like this is. Oh, take a deep breath. Eh? Jesus Christ. Um. This is, this is why I like being more of a sort of political hector, more of a piss taker, instead of being a serious political figure or campaigner, you know? Like, people jump on the comment section sometimes, and they say stuff like, would you ever consider running as an MP8? Like, when, when are you going to join the Labour Party and put yourself forward as a candidate? It's like, first of all, nope. No, 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 no. There are it's just way too many photos of me with cocaine up my nostrils and stories about me chewing my face off double dropping at raves and spending the night in a phone box to like to ever be taken seriously as a political candidate. It would be like, it would be day one. Congratulations. You're elected day two. The sun have found some footage of you freestyle rapping with vomit all over your hoodie and your dick out doing twirly birds. So we need you to step down age. (laughs) Like it would be that quick, that cut and shut. And second, I think, like, in terms of any candidacy from me, uh, I just think I could be more use here, you know, like ripping these people to pieces. It's more fun anyway. Like, it's, I think I'm of more use running a podcast uh, and saying the things that, like, I don't know if this is a, a third thing or if it's an extension of the second thing, but, like, I think I can see people like Oliver Dowden completely ignoring their own behavior in the past and then, you know, campaigning as though that exact same behavior when exhibited by other people is somehow now unacceptable, like the, the gross hypocrisy and the short termist mentality of them. And and then, you know, so by, by proxy, then they're unparalleled, laughable, steadfast cretiny. And here's the thing. I don't have to run my response through a PR department. Or worry if I'm lowering the tone of the political discourse when I come out and say that these people are fucking morons. Like, I can say that. I mean, you know, like, Christ, like, a lot of people talk the talk about telling it how it is. You know, free speech. A lot of people talk the talk. But are you ever going to hear them take a guest spot on LBC and call Oliver Dowden a crayon-eating Aryan Martin from Game On-looking motherfucker? Are you ever going to hear them say that? I don't think you will. Is David Lammy ever going to come on air and ask Liz Truss how many failed Instagram influencer accounts there are of her out there in the wild with selfies of her stroking candles or looking determined with inspirational quotes next to... Like, is he ever going to... I don't think he will. I think he'll try and keep it professional and courteous. So, I don't know, maybe I'm just of more use here. Uh, Or of no use here. (laughs) <laughs> I should stay where I fucking belong. Really is like either or in that respect. But it does feel good. It feels good to be able to say that stuff uninhibited. I think uh I think it was Charlie Sheen who said uh in the midst of his infamous meltdown, uh he was asked by some entertainment journalist, like a sort of e-news, e-Hollywood News online, something like that. And she was like, why are you lambasting your former employer and colleagues so publicly? Why is everybody going on about tiger blood and winning and shit? Like, what is this? And he was just like, he goes, people have grown tired of the publicist statement. Like That was his word. I remember that. And it really struck a chord with me. And like, I don't know, maybe it did with you guys, too. It was a fairly unremarkable interview other than that. But. But maybe it struck a chord with you guys, too. And maybe that's why you're drawn to a podcast now by a guy who just doesn't give a King's Cross fuck if it's a bit unprofessional (laughs) or rough cut, or if I say something that wouldn't make it past the three PR departments that Oliver Dowden so clearly refuses to listen to, you know, like. I don't know, like weirdly, weirdly on that, right, I got talking to a guy on Saturday uh, who was like, well, you know, you have to be careful with swearing and the potty mouth stuff because although you and I might find it funny starting a campaign like hashtag Boris aid, like I, I I'm here for the diplomacy with that I love the diplomacy and it like although you and I might find it hilarious and it is it is hilarious aid but uh, you know although we find it funny then he was like, producers and lobby firms, you know, journalists might think it's a bit much and they might not necessarily want to work with you, you know. But the same as I told him on Saturday, I'll tell you guys now, like, lucky for me, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> I'm honestly I'm honestly quite happy with my little show, you know, with the blogs, with the people I've met thus far, the fun we're all having. You know, I have an alright day job and I have a pretty tight unit, little family, and it's all good. Um, and I think there's a real liberating power to that, you know, to not being enthralled to anyone, not operating at anyone's behest, marching to your own drum, being able to say whatever the fuck you like. Because like, here's the other thing is like, I got I got a couple of comments the last last two weeks, I've had it a couple of times, of people saying this, right? They go, well, I bet you secretly hope that Labour don't get in power, aid Because if that happened, you'd be irrelevant, right? But... <laughs> To be honest, look when when you have this low self esteem, uh, I am here for the tacit admission that I am at least temporarily ve- relevant. <laughs> like it's akin to saying like, well if this happens, you'll be irrelevant. It's like so, wait, you think I'm relevant now? <laughs> it's fucking score! Take that, crushingly low self esteem. But honestly like i don't don't think anyone will really believe this at this stage of the electoral cycle but honestly if labor did get in power i've said this before a lot uh i would absolutely hold them to account you know if they start reneging on stuff or you know if if people like me or friends of mine start lobbying for particular policies and it doesn't start getting over the line or it's being frustrated or pushed back or i will absolutely take the piss relentlessly out of them also um, but look, I, I fully accept that nobody's going to believe that at this stage. Um, but the thing is, the thing that gets lost on me, and I look, I, I did a, a tweet this morning, or was it last night? I think it was last night now. Uh, and it was something along the lines of, uh, uh, you know, if you don't want to vote for Starmer, that's fine. If you hate him, cool. I just don't understand why you would hate him more than Boris Johnson. And I sort of, you know, there's a, Look, all the all the fucking Corbynites jumped straight on it, and it's it's got a little bit out of hand. I've had to mute the fucking tweet now because my phone's just going nuts. But, uh, but the you know the point there is is quite simple. You know the crux of it is you don't have to like Starmer. you don't have to love him. You could just vote like if you don't want to vote Labour, vote tactically. Just get the fucking Tories out. And then we form lobby groups. Then if there's a coalition, you get Lib Dems who you voted for, in theory, uh, to then put pressure on Labour and they won't be able to afford to lose the Lib Dems or it would create another general election, right? Or if Lib Dems and Labour are both happy, you form lobby groups from within that coalition and then you lobby for change, the change that you want to see. But none of that can fucking happen until you get somebody in power that you have. And actually somebody else, another conversation I had with a different chap on Saturday. He was like, the key difference is once you get Labour in government, you have a line of communication. You can actually sit down around the table with these people and start talking to them about the ideas and the policies and the bills that you want to see put across the table but right now or until that happens when it's a Tory government you have fucking nothing and that's such an important point it was the guy that I was chatting to is really smart dude and uh, and it's really landed with me and it's, it's true and it's I don't know maybe in some sort of implicit fashion it sort of inspired me to put the tweet out last night because the, the crux of that both points is exactly the same until you get a Labour government in power you, you, you fucking stand no chance of getting those super progressive or super left-leaning policies even listened to, let alone signed off. Um, listen, guys, I've been chatting for a while. Uh, if you enjoy these shows, and if you're in a position to, please do consider supporting via Patreon. Uh, and again, another shout out to my, uh, to my two first Patreons, Kerry and Paul, for getting in there first. There's three tiers that you can jump on, and all content goes on there first. Uh, It does then go out to Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. Thereafter, That's it for me now. Um, please, please vote tactically this week. Have a look at the tactical voting websites and see which makes sense for you to get the Tories out. I honestly don't give a fuck if you vote for Labour or Lib Dems or Greens, just whoever stands the biggest chance of unseating the Conservative in your area. Uh, until Friday night, uh, keep it strictly. Hashtag BIMfluencers. Hashtag Boris livestock. And I will catch you on Friday with my next guest who I've yet to book. Uh, until next time we outie.